0: Five, four. This is a rebroadcast of the Rocky Mountain Review. We're live at 4 to 5 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays if you miss the show.
1: Or catch our podcast at kcsufm.com under the News tab.
2: 3, 2, 1, 0. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.
0: This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm J.D. Layton.
1: I'm Emily Moshek. Only
0: on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. Hello and welcome. It's that time of the week again, Thursday, for the Rocky Mountain Review. I am one of two news directors here at 90.5 KCSU. I'm J.D. Layton.
1: I'm Emily Moshek.
0: As well as our very own reporter... Katie Otter. We're down one today, though.
3: Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wherever yeah. you are, Wren, we won't forget you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, unfortunately, Wren Wildsworth is having a busy week as midterms are approaching here at CSU, so she won't be able to be in, but we still have your local newscast here for you on the show. Stolen packages were a hot-button issue over the holidays, but one Fort Collins man is still reeling from the effects after a package containing his father's ashes were stolen off of his porch last month, according to CBS4 Denver. Austin Barker was out of town when the package containing his father's remains was delivered to his porch. Neighbors say they did not notice the package and that it was likely left outside for a few days. Barker is devastated and is pleading for someone to return the package. If you have any information that could help return it, please contact Fort Collins police or the post office. If the package is found, Barker plans to give his father, who passed away from cancer last year, a final resting place on Wyndham Peak near Durango. Chris Watts, the killer from Frederick, Colorado, who brutally murdered his family last August, has released new information about the killings in an interview conducted by his Wisconsin prison, according to ABC7. Investigators from the Frederick Police Department, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, and the FBI spoke to Watts on February 18th with hopes to get more inside information into the case. The prison logs show that three different investigators spoke to Watts starting at 8.30 a.m. that day. Official details from the interviews have not been released, although there is speculation that Watts finally reveals the motive for why he killed his family. Audio recordings of the interview are scheduled to be released on Thursday, March 7th. Watts is currently carrying out his life sentence in prison without the possibility of parole. A norovirus outbreak has left a Greeley middle school closed for two days, reports the Greeley Tribune. Franklin Middle School has closed its doors for Thursday and Friday as 100 students have reported feeling ill. The illness appeared Friday, but Franklin Middle School stayed open through the week as cleaning staff tried to disinfect the school. District Superintendent Deirdre Pilk says the district is following the procedures set up by Weld County Health Department. Franklin Middle School is expected to open again on Monday. In happier news, a golden retriever was pulled out of the frozen Culver Reservoir north of Berthoud, Colorado, reports the Loveland Reporter-Herald. The Berthoud Fire Department responded to a rescue call at 8.36 a.m. and quickly donned water rescue gear to save the cold and trapped pup. The dog survived, suffered no lasting health issues, and its family posted on Facebook saying, quote, thank you much for sa- so much for saving our dog. There are two very happy and grateful little boys that are so thankful to have their dog home safe and sound.
0: See, all of that was a wild ride start to finish. First off, who's st- people who steal packages, just no bueno, just don't do it. Just, I know. it's It's not fun. And then now they stole this guy's. Dad's ashes. That's awful. It's
1: awful. It's terrible. Yeah. So um, he is still looking for them. So if anyone uh, who is listening does have information, you are urged to call the Fort Collins Police Department.
0: Isn't that like a federal offense? Like yes. uh, sure stealing a, oh, yeah. a body?
1: I'm oh. not sure about the exact details of when it comes into the package, but I mean, it's definitely stealing a package. Well, stealing is, a, is a package a crime. is illegal. That's the stealing. But then yeah.
0: you're also stealing a body, which is a crime too.
1: Yeah. I mean,. I don't know. I don't know the logistics. That have to, that's something that we'd have to look up. Oh that, yeah, that's dear interesting. listener,
0: if you wanna, if you wanna call or text in and let us know if it's legal or not to steal a body, that's definitely it's definitely it's illegal. Legal.
3: Definitely illegal.
0: But, uh, but you can call or text severity in severity
3: of the legality. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 970
0: at nine seven zero four nine one five two seven eight. We want to know for sure, for sure. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely had a hankering for some Japanese food lately.
1: Yeah, you know, that sounds pretty good. I could go for some some sushi I, or something. Yeah,
0: I sure wish that there were somebody who had something to tell us about Japanese food.
1: I know, if only we had a reporter who went out to discover all of the Japanese food options in Fort Collins, that would have been super cool.
0: You know, this is really jogging something in my memory. I think <laughs> that we, we might have somebody who, who has that.
1: Oh, yeah. I think its name is Maximus Hunter. Oh, yeah. And his piece on Japanese food in Fort Collins is going to be up next on the Rocky Mountain Review. Oh, wow.
4: Hello, and welcome to the first monthly installment of the Restaurant Report on 90.5 KCSU. I'm your host, Maximus Hunter. Don't touch that dial. If you speak to a Fort Collins resident about what makes this city unique they'll likely mention the legendary statistic that Fort Collins has more restaurants per capita than any other U.S. city. That's only a myth. But, we do boast a smorgasbord of incredible eateries around town. So many that it would be impossible to try them all. That's why I'm here. At The Restaurant Report, I'm getting a scoop of the food scene in Fort Collins, and letting you know what's around town. This month, I'm exploring Japanese restaurants in the city. Fort Collins is a hidden treasure trove of delicious Japanese food, from sushi to poke and traditional teppanyaki. I went to one of each of these restaurants, had a meal, and chatted with their owners. We're gonna listen to the history of the restaurants, their processes, training, and what makes each place stand out. Let's dive in. Jaws Sushi Bar is a Fort Collins staple. Located in Campus West, Jaws is the closest sushi bar to campus, and quite possibly the most widely known in town. Touting a full menu of sushi, Japanese food, and sake, Jaws is its own sushi experience. Its owner, Jeff Nanbara, wants Jaws to be a sushi restaurant that is easily accessible.
5: Yeah, if you want to, you know, have a you know, really good sushi and listen to some cool music, maybe watch some hockey, uh, have a beer, stop on by.
4: The music he's referring to are pop top 10 hits from around 2010, which certainly kept the scenery lively while I ate my meal. Dinner consisted of the Samuel L. Jackson roll, a salmon roll with green onions, Kewpie mayo, eel sauce, sprouts, and tempura crunchies, and the OG Kim K roll, uh, in parentheses pre-Kanye, made with shrimp tempura, cream cheese, and cucumbers, topped off with spicy tuna, eel sauce, and roe. Both rolls were exquisite, creative, and delicately crafted. The Samuel L. Jackson tasted pleasantly understated, really bringing out the flavor of the salmon and the eel sauce, with the green onions providing a pleasant crunch to the bite. The OG Kim K was a colorful roll, and complex flavor-wise, that had that sweet, bitter sushi taste that you really want in a well-crafted roll. I also enjoyed a nice hot plum sake with my rolls, as well as a miso soup came with came side slaw. The soup was phenomenal, Jaws doesn't use traditional miso broth, they opt for a lighter miso instead. The soup includes seaweed and tofu as usual, but also delicious small white mushrooms. The slaw was lighter than American slaw, with poppy seeds sprinkled throughout. Since it's sushi, it's a little pricey, but well worth it. I asked Jeff about the history of Jaws.
5: Yeah, we opened up uh, August of 2013, so a little over five years old, five and a half or so, and yeah, uh, just keep getting more and more clientele and more and more popular, and just trying to keep putting out really good sushi. You know, when we first opened, we, you know, went and got a couple of the guys that we'd worked with years and years ago before, and and uh, got them to come back and help us out and do our, you know, get back into sushi, so. Right uh-huh. A lot of the different rolls that you gotta learn to do and, you know, all the fish that goes into it and all the prep work that goes in before even making the rolls, you know, you gotta do all the rice and, you know, get all the other stuff put together as well. I don't know, I, I don't think it's that overly hard, but it's being well-rounded where you can talk to customers and still work and still make sushi and still do prep and do all the other things all kind of all at the same time. A lot of people don't want to drive all the way into Old Town or go all the way to the you know Harmony or any you know where a lot of the other restaurants are you know so we're we're kind of kind of got a little niche here over here on the west side so you know we just like to have have fun with you know whether it's naming our roles or the the music we listen to. We don't overly do the whole Japanese theme. We, you know, we listen to the music that we like. We, you know, do the stuff that we like to do rather than you know, being like all, trying to be like all the other ones.
4: Next on my culinary adventure I went to Hibachi Japanese Steakhouse and Sushi for some teppanyaki. Teppanyaki is a style of Japanese cooking and entertainment where the chef cooks your meal on the table in front of you. The restaurant, tucked away in the corner of Shields and Horsetooth, is so large it takes up many rooms, some for sushi and casual eating, and some for teppanyaki. I walked into the main dining room and waited to meet Hai Nguyen, the owner. While waiting, I noticed the tables weren't set and the dining room was kind of messy. I was a little trepidatious, until Hai stepped out from the back. A delightfully energetic man, his positivity reignited my hope for a delicious meal and I let him pick out what I was going to eat. One of the servers showed me the next room an enormous dining area with six teppanyaki tables seating about 17 each. I sat at a table with a couple other groups of people and enjoyed a sake and my complimentary soup and salad while I waited for the show to start. They were quite good, the dressing of the salad gives a sharp sweetness to it. Our chef came out carrying platters piled high with uncooked food. If you've never been to a teppanyaki restaurant before, I highly recommend it. The chef does tricks, such as setting an oil smiley face on fire, throwing and catching a lemon on a fork. They do fancy egg breakings and even sent a pillar of fire shooting from the spout of a volcano made of onions. He cracked jokes with all of us at the table and set a good tone. The jokes may have been a little R-rated at times, but everyone at the table is an adult and no one seemed to mind. It made the meal feel relaxed and comfortable. Every person at the table received a portion of fried rice and vegetables, made in front of us during the show. High had ordered teriyaki chicken and steak for me, the latter of which I had rare. The sweetness of the sauce made both meats incredibly tasty, and the rare steak popped powerful flavor in my mouth, the perfect cook for teriyaki. I was easily the first of the ten at the table to clean their plate. The meal ended with our chef attempting to throw shrimp in our mouths. Not only was the meal delicious and fun, but I left with a sense of camaraderie with the folks I've been sitting with. After my meal, I went back to the front room to talk to Hai.
6: Well, this place been here for about 20 years. Uh, so we just like mom and pop store. We just similar to like for those who never been here before, similar to Benny Hunter, where we cook in front of you. We do the juggling with spatula, forks, knife, and egg tricks and toss a shrimp into people's mouth. Like you saw that, we try to toss in the mouth for you, and uh, thing like that, and with the interaction and do with all the show and that people get involved. So we like a family atmosphere, which is like special event, but it doesn't have to be that way. People can come in and have just, you know, decent meal. But for the most part, we're catering to a lot of uh, birthdays, anniversary. Uh, Sometimes people just have like special occasion. Uh, So that's what we do. I I personally have actually
4: wondered basically my entire life, how do you train a teppanyaki chef?
6: Uh, It takes takes quite a, a... a lot of hard work and training and practice. Um, you know, first when you go learn, you go in and learn the, the kitchen, and what you do is you just learn how to set up orders. The next step, it just show you how to hold a knife and how to cut the stuff. And eventually, you know, at the end of the day, it show you how to cook out the front of the grill with like a small portion of people. Uh, and they try to control how hot the grill, and step by step, and, uh, you know eventually then you know go into four people six people eight people and thing in between that you show you a couple tricks you know how to toss the egg without breaking the egg and then you know how to juggle you know with the knives and then then the spatula and the forks then the next step is you know just show you how to toss the shrimp and do the fire and stuff like that so all of that process normally for an avid guy, it take about 6 months to a year. Just to just to know the basics. But once you get into master, it, it have to be 3 years and beyond. Wow. Yeah. So it's very 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 intense. But you know, you got to do you got to be with your heart that you like and you love what you do. Otherwise, you're not going to make it.
4: Thank you so much. Hi. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. I left the enormous restaurant with a full belly and glad to have finally fulfilled my lifelong dream of knowing how to become a teppanyaki chef. My last stop was Honolulu Poke Bar on Elizabeth Street. The newest establishment on this list, Honolulu Poke Bar opened just in the end of last year, and may be flying under the radar of Fort Collins Japanese food fans. The small, modern restaurant is made up in the decor of a Japanese harbor, and has a variety of food options. Sporting authentic poke, ramen, sukiyaki beef, curry, udon, and a variety of appetizers you're unlikely to find anywhere else, Honolulu Poke Bar actually is one of the most diverse Japanese menus I've ever seen. Upon scheduling my interview there, I tried several of the appetizers. The chicken karaj, the squid skewers, and the takoyaki, red bean cake. They were all good, but my favorite was by far the takoyaki. A ball of fried octopus and dough with sweet sauce on top. I ate like six of those guys. Upon returning from my interview, I ordered a poke bowl with three proteins. I was walked to a Chipotle-like counter where I could choose how to put together my bowl, starting with rice, greens, or a combination. There are lots of ingredients to choose from, especially in the protein department. From tuna, spicy tuna, snapper, tofu, scallops, flounder, lunch meat, chicken, and crab, I just chose to keep things simple with both types of tuna and tofu. From a wide selection of veggies and extras, I chose seaweed salad, cucumbers, tofu skin, edamame, and ginger, and finally, and quite possibly most importantly, the sauce. From too many to list, I chose a mix of creamy wasabi mayo and sweet chili sauce, because listeners, I'm a spice freak, can't get enough. I sat down to eat, and the first thing I noticed was, since I chose half rice, half greens, my plate was about 60% vegetables, my plate was also enormous. I nearly finished everything, but I was about to give up when Rain, the owner, surprised me with a Mochi Korean snow ice, or bingsu. The dessert was made with plain ice shavings and condensed milk, which mixed together to a chilly, sweet spoonful. Top with mochi, the bingsu was so good, I finished it even though I was already full. After the meal, I sat down to talk with Rain about his brand new poke
2: place. When we just opened, it was like a rush hours and people coming in to try the new food. Our name is Honolulu Poke Bar, but we don't only sell the poke We still have very traditional Japanese ramen or the Korean snow being soup. Before we opened this restaurant, we did some investigation in town and that's what we found we didn't see any a good ramen place. That's inspired us to make some good ramen, especially for the students in CSU. The soup is like, uh, naturally boiled with some like a scallop or seafood or chicken, and uh, concentrated delivered directly from Japan. There's a lot of customers coming in uh, and let us to introduce what we sell. They, they have no idea what pokey is, right? Uh, Do it's like a kind of fashion food, fashion style and a new food. It's very different from the American food, like a fried chicken, something. It's very healthy. It's like a raw fish, very good protein and fresh veggies. We mix with a lot of different ingredients in there. It's kind of expensive sauces, but it's very good with the fish and the rice. That's where we got that idea from the Hawaiian and how they make it. So we learned that from them. There's another part of our food, like a dessert. That it's, uh, it's called a bingsu. It's the same like poki. Customers don't know what bingsu is. The bingsu is like a it's called shaved ice. It's pretty same like a snow. So like it's we call it a snow bingsu. We have a very different flavors. some like the Korean style, the yinjoumi, that means the, with the Korean rice cake. There's some red beans in there, red bean paste, and some condensed milk, some uh, fruit syrup. Yeah, make together with some almonds or some nuts. Yeah. We can, yeah, yeah, it tastes very good. We serve some uh, snacks, that's also the... Japanese snacks, uh, if you watch some movies, Japanese movies or some cartoon, you will know what it is like a takoyaki, yeah. If you go to Japan, you will see everywhere, the ramen place, different names, different food, but um, the people love it very much. Just in America, it's not that popular yet, but food is different, it's still same tasty so people should come to try it and uh, you will decide if you like it, right?
4: That seems like the perfect sentiment to end this show on. My name is Maximus Hunter, your taste master, and thanks for listening to The Restaurant Report. I hope you had a good time and maybe found some new foods to try. Stay tuned to 90.5 KCSU. You've
3: been listening to the same genre of music your whole entire life, haven't you? Well, you've been missing out on every other genre. That's why you should tune into this, that, and the other with me, DJ Alley J. Mondays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Only on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins.
0: And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show, only on 90.5 KCSU, Ford Collins. I'm J.D. Layden, one of two news directors here, and I'm joined in studio by...
1: Emily Moshak.
0: As well as our very own reporter... Katie Otter. Well, Katie Otter, what'd you think of that uh, Japanese rundown by our very own Max?
3: That was awesome. It was, it was quite. It was quite good. Not only did it get me hungry... I know, but I'm starving. I'm not very
1: informed. Some souche. So would you say yeah. it, f-
0: it fed your brain? Yes. And whet your appetite?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't like the way you phrase yeah, that. Yeah, I.
0: Fed your brain with knowledge.
1: I don't know. Why does that sound weird? It sounds kind of weird. I don't, I,
0: don't I don't know. I feel like
1: I'm I, indifferent.
0: who dingle dangle. I believe you oh, have that a. Uh, that a was
1: new- worse. That was worse. <laughs> oh God. Okay. <laughs> Kish, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, talk.
0: You you have an update you wanted to give us, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Anyway, if you are in the city of Loveland and listening from Loveland right now, crews will be installing inlaid thermoplastic striping between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. at First Street and Lincoln Avenue and on North Cleveland Avenue between March 3rd and March 7th, so those roads will be closed. So to our Loveland listeners, if you have to take Lincoln or First Street or North Cleveland, between Sunday, March third, and March seventh, plan on taking a different route because those streets will be closed.
0: Now, I believe we have a bit of a, a roundtable to come up. We, we do. Now, Katie, you were the one yes. who originally brought this story up to uh, us, but it we in a recent study, New Belgium Brewery mm. has uh, been found to have the lowest levels of glyphosate in its beer than uh, than other breweries. Is that?
3: I believe it was actually reporter Claire Oliver.
0: Oh, Claire that, Oliver that brought, brought this, this up. About. Well, it wasn't
3: even me, surprisingly. But thank you for thinking that. I, <laughs> um,
0: oh, now I'm embarrassed. It's
3: all good. We love you, Claire. Thank, thank you, Claire. And, no, and, and, we know you're out there you.
0: in, in, in the world just doing you.
3: She's honestly probably back in the newsroom.
0: Yeah, probably. But,
3: um, yeah, so I actually don't know that much about this as you would think I would. But
1: good for New Belgium, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I mean, I enjoy, I'm over 21, disclaimer. Yes, we all are. It's all fine. We all are. We all are 22. This is all legal. But I do enjoy beer. I would say I'm a pretty regular beer drinker. And I have never thought about stuff being in my beer. Like, you know, people are all about health and going to the grocery store, whether you want organic or not organic. And I always look at the ingredients when I'm buying like granola bars and stuff and mm-hmm. I try not to get high fructose corn syrup mm-hmm. but with beer I just look I just drink it I've right. never even thought about how there could be right and yeah me
3: neither now that I think about it, it makes so much sense because they use grains and hops and all that stuff that they're growing and they, they're using I guess for th-
0: for those of y'all who don't pesticides?
6: know uh, yeah. g-
0: glyphosate is a, a herbicide it's a plant killer um, it's very i, I want to say it's the main active ingredient and you know like brand names like roundup stuff like that Right. so it's it's very common it's very easy to use uh F- Fort collins parks department uses roundup or not roundup glyphosate to to weed and kill things like that but at the same point in time it is pretty toxic it's not you don't want a lot of glyphosate in your food or drink and it's sort of been a problem uh that has been propping up throughout the u.s so to hear that new belgium has such a, a a solid filtration system that they're able to remove toxins that are typically, uh, you know, missed is is pretty wild to hear about, honestly. Yeah,
1: because I'm kind of curious as to why, I mean, not doubting New Belgian, but how no one else has thought of this. Yeah, and
3: isn't uh, it true that Coors and Miller had higher counts of it? hmm So you'd think... You know, big corporation, big beer corporation versus a little independent brewer. Yeah. You know?
0: I suppose, I wouldn't call New Belgium a little independent well, brewer. They're they're a little bigger than little. Yeah, that's true. Um, but they, one of the things that I know they take into consideration when it comes to this is, like, they really are focused on, like, the quality of the water that goes into their mm-hmm. beer for their, their boils and their mashes uh, that ends up turning into the beer. So they're they're really focused on when they draw water from the pooter, really mm-hmm. keeping it as clean and as pristine as possible. And even by the time that they're done with their wastewater, they filter it again when they put mm-hmm. it back out. So it's cleaner than what they end up getting. Which is pretty wild.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Has it how like how has this been a problem though? Like maybe I'm just in the dark, but I feel like I haven't. Heard like people getting sick from right, beer. and I think well, and it, it's and
3: because it, it's in so like this is in so many different things that we eat and drink. Uh huh. And I think I was listening to reporter Claire Oliver's newscast on Tuesday, and she was saying how you would need like to drink. It would it would be like an insane amount of alcohol that has the stuff in it that
1: it would affect you negatively. Oh you know? uh, okay. Right. So yeah. it's not really that much of a problem anyway.
0: Well, but it is a known carcinogen. It's like something that's like... Tr- Over time. It, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's and it's likely to increase. It's like, uh, here's a, a study by EcoWatch uh, that the EPA states that 41% of people are more likely to develop a non-Hodgkin lymphoma when exposed to glyphosate, which is... that's oh,
3: God. That's pretty high. That- Ooh, I'm pretty sure my uncle had that.
0: It's, and, and, you know, that's like... In a town that's so, uh, you know, beer-focused and beer-savvy, it's like, that's scary. Yeah, it's true. Like, there's probably, poison in the water.
1: I don't know statistics, but we, I feel like Fort Collins definitely drinks beer. Well, at least more than some places. I feel like the Midwest probably has his beat. Uh, well, but... at least, I don't know, maybe, like, craft beer.
0: Yeah, we, yeah craft we're definitely a uh, craft beer fanatics, I'd say. Yeah. Might that's... be in a
3: little competition with Milwaukee and maybe Chicago, too. But yeah, we're definitely, like, one of the capitals i would say for sure
1: i know now i'm curious if odell is gonna jump on suit because i feel like you know new belgium and odell are fort collins biggest Mm -hmm. like beer producers
0: right and i i i don't know honestly i know that they have a pretty strict uh water intake system and they have sort of these regulations but they're not near as high as new belgium it's like i know that that is something that new belgium prides itself on
1: do you think like would this affect your guys choosing over New Belgium or Odell? Like, do you feel more inclined to go with New Belgium now that you know this?
0: I love fast and wild anyway. A little glad <laughs> to say it's not gonna change my decision for flavor. Yeah,
1: it's. I don't think this is
3: gonna affect me, uh, my decisions at all. Yeah, I mean, you guys both know, I love both Odell and New Belgium very much. That's so true. yeah, I wouldn't be able to, to take one out of my life yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. Unless fair. it was like, yeah. oh, yeah, this beer turns out it's like 98% plant killer. You'd be like, <laughs> yeah. ooh, yikes.
1: The next beer they come <laughs> out is with is the, the plant killer IPA. <laughs> That'd be bad.
0: Hop, hop killer IPA? Hop killer. I'm going to trademark that right now. Nobody just, can take that glyphosate. from me. just
4: called <laughs> Just glyphosate. <laughs> In a bottle.
0: All right, dear listener, Yum. if you
4: Yum.
0: think uh, your beer drinking habits will change sort of because of this please let us know or not what are your thoughts and opinions on uh, on it you can always call or text in 970-491-5278 here on the Rocky Mountain Review we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with a music segment by our very own Henry Nederland on Sophie let's keep that dial locked
7: this is sophie not the voice, that's Cecile Believe. No, Sophie is actually the beat. Through her unique blend of electronic influences and hyper-feminine style, many have considered her to be the future of pop music. The Scottish DJ has been active for a decade, but it's only recently that people are starting to take notice. Born Samuel Long in 1986, even from an early age, Sophie saw herself as different from her peers due to her niche interest in electronic music. After honing her craft for several years, she has really carved a unique sound for herself. Just like other electronic musicians, Sophie's instrumentals showcase her personality even more than the vocals do. Her beats are industrial, but artsy with a splash of bubblegum bass thrown in the mix as well. Her futuristic aesthetic branches beyond her music and videos. In a video on Day's YouTube channel, Sophie interviews and is interviewed by a piece of artificial intelligence known as Sophia the Robot, creating one of the most bizarre interviews in history.
8: Something else that i love to try one day, but cannot for obvious reasons, is swim in the ocean. And finally, I'd love
1: to open up the eyes of humans and help them see each other as united, being open and more loving with those who appear to be
8: different. I was just swimming in the ocean, Sophia, and I really recommend it. I hope you can experience that one day.
7: Sophie's collaboration list spans much farther than many would expect. Since 2015, she has worked with the likes of Madonna, Cashmere Cat, and Vince Staples, However, her most prominent collaborations come from her latest work with English pop artist Charlie XCX. In Charlie XCX's discography, Sophie is featured on multiple songs over the span of a mixtape, an album, and even an entire EP. An impressive collaboration list, to say the least. But don't get it wrong, she's perfectly capable of churning out incredible music on her own. It was in 2017 that Sophie really began to shine. On her 2017 single, It's Okay to Cry, Sophie shows herself off in a way she's never done before. Not only is this the first time her voice and face are prominently displayed for the world to see, but she also reveals herself to be openly transgender. Her 2018 debut, Oil of Every Pearls on Insides, shows her keeping to those infectious pop hooks while venturing into adventurous territory on songs like The Very Kinky Pony Boy and the 9-minute behemoth Whole New World Slash Pretend World. How many artists do you know are capable of creating this? And eventually transforming it into this. All within the span of 9 minutes. So what's she up to now? Well, according to a recent Grammy interview, she's currently working on a remix album for Oil of Every Pearl's Uninsides. She's also been confirmed to be a contributor on the newest Lady Gaga album. So it's safe to say the future's looking bright for the future of pop. For KCSU, I'm Henry Netherland.
0: And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. Your news talk show. I am one of two hosts. I'm J.D. Layton, joined in studio by my co-host with the most...
1: Emily Moschak.
0: As well as our reporter... Katie Otter. And guess who's here? I'll give him his actual title, Ray McGowan, our sports director. Glad to be here. Now, Ray, can you deliver us an update in the world of sprots?
8: Yes, I can. For CSU Sports, Kelsey Bedard, Terrence Sieg, as well as Mary Beth Saint. Uh, All qualified for the 2019 NCAA Indoor Track and Field Championship. Bedard, who has weight throw, as well as Terrence Sig, who has shot but reached NCAA in throws, and Maribeth Sant qualifies for the 60 meters. The academic All-Mountain West for the fall 2018 has been released, and the Rams represent strong with a 46 CSU student-athletes from cross-country football, soccer, and volleyball. To be eligible, a student-athlete must have completed at least one academic term at CSU while maintaining a a cumulative grade point average of 3.0 or better. In addition, that student-athlete must also be a starter or significant contributor to his or her team. Some notable names to just give a shout-out for their excellent job in terms of academics. Roxy Trotter for the women's cross-country, Ariel Hopkins for women's soccer, and Sasha Colombo, Jackie Van Leeft, and Amanda Young all completed the academic year with a 4.0. Colorado State will also hold its on-campus Football Pro Day on Wednesday, March 6, 2019, of course. Draft-eligible players will take part in timing and testing process for NFL scouts and front office personnel in the CSU weight room at Canvas Stadium and in running and agility drills in the indoor practice facility. The Colorado State women's basketball team made up a 9-point fourth-court deficit to take Boise State to overtime before falling to the Broncos 72-63 in the Rams State Pride game last night at Moby Arena. Colorado State had five players in double figures and took advantage of hot shooting in the final 20 minutes to pull away with a 76-62 to victory at Boise State for the men's team last night as well. With their third straight win, the Rams improved to 12-16 and on the year and tied for sixth in the Mountain West with a 7-8 and record for conference, while the Broncos fell to 11-17 and 6-9 conference in the league. The two teams split the season series with each team winning on the road. And that is your Colorado State Sports Update. I'm just
0: flabbergasted at how you can get through that without taking, like, a gazillion breaths. I would literally be breathless at this point. I, I like, <laughs> bravo. I, Good
1: job, Bray. I
8: don't know what to do now. You're clapping for me. I feel awkward.
0: Put, put, get this man a, a, a letter for, for, for getting through his newscast. Without without taking a breath. Without taking a breath. That is just, <laughs> whew. It's got to be speedy, man. First off, I I, I can't even believe uh, – well, this is second off now. I've already said first off. Second off, I can't even believe how uh, – um, how many how would be a student athlete and maintain a 4.0 GPA in college? Like, that was hard to do in high school. I couldn't even imagine trying to do it now.
8: Yeah, it's it's very difficult. and I uh, I mean, there's 46 who had who are I mean didn't have a 4.0, but were part of that academic All Mountain West team, which is an impressive number for any college, and just to have those players, you know, be basically perfect in what they do with that 4.0, definitely want to highlight their amazing work both on and off the field.
0: It's it's great stuff.
8: Well, yeah, of course, it's why I reported on it.
0: Oh, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> now you're here, and I believe that. Uh, you need to hear this as well. Now, Emily, you recently came across a bit of an interesting uh, article.
1: Yeah, so.
8: <laughs> I, I don't like the. T-
1: <laughs> yeah! Wow, right? It's a little rude. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, in Alabama, two people were recently arrested on misdemeanor charges for getting into a fight over crab legs at a seafood buffet because um, the restaurant had put it out late. So I guess people were waiting really long and they were getting very hangry. And then when they put the crab legs out, there wasn't enough for everybody. And so an elderly man and a middle-aged woman got in a fight and began to use tongs to fence each other over the crab legs. And I guess they were throwing plates at each other and the woman was beating up the man. And there was a cop who just happened to be there eating at the buffet when that happened. So he had to arrest them. And yeah, I just thought that was hilarious. This little, <laughs> this is
0: one of those things where you hear it and you're like, "No, nah, there's no way."
1: Yeah, I know they <laughs> were actually fencing with crab legs. But the thing is, people got heated. Like it sounds kind of like a joke, but I was reading the Facebook comments on this article and there were people that are like yes they need to have regulations at buffets because everyone takes the crab legs and it's not fair and it's gone like they shouldn't be open for people to grab the restaurant <laughs> should have to serve them like it was a big issue people are getting mad
8: it, i'm i'm surprised that was like fencing i just imagine two people like actually trained in the sport of fencing grabbing tongs and at at like a crawfish broil i know and going at it
1: right yeah and- so it was definitely interesting, but I guess people are serious about that. It's, their- like, a, it's like a
0: family guy skit.
1: I know, but not gonna lie though, like I love seafood and I love crab legs. And if I went to a buffet just for crab legs and they were out of them, I wouldn't be fencing anyone with tongs, but I would be a little bit. <laughs> I don't know,
0: missed. Emily. You definitely you really seem like you, you, you're setting up the fact that you would. Fence you, with some toms.
1: I would not. You, I'm a nice person. Huzzah!
0: You, my crab legs.
8: You reminded me with that fence, with the basically describing it as fencing, a story. It happened about a week ago, but I always just think it's very interesting. Uh, lightsaber dueling is now recognized as a competitive sport by the French fencing federation. What? Yeah, uh, That's the rule, cool. Yeah, the strike. The rules are: strikes to the head or body are worth five points. Arms or legs are three points. Uh, on the hands is one point, and the first of fifteen points. Or the highest score after three minutes wins. So you can just go ahead and, and you know buy a bunch of lightsabers, I guess, and you could be recognized as a professional athlete in terms of the French Fencing Federation.
0: So now on the only logical thing to do with these two stories together is push the French Federation to let you use or French Fencing Federation tonked. That's the next competitive sword yeah. sport yeah I'd... and then it'll be crab legs
1: <laughs> be and crab i am legs.
0: thrilled for that day
1: i am oh, down crab
0: oh. buffet crab fight in the buffet it's the perfect arena and sport you can't name a better one think of the athletes it would draw
8: <laughs> all, all i know is that forget
0: what... the super bowl <laughs> i'm going to the chow down bowl
8: oh, oh my, my goodness! Gosh. I, all i know is when i remember reading about that that whole t- thing I, all i imagined was just yeah my my eight-year-old cousin is gonna be a fantastic french athlete one day <laughs>
1: oh my goodness yes <laughs> and well those were just two random stories we had on the show not really a segment but who knows maybe it's one we'll introduce that random. was just
0: that was the weird bit of the week
1: yeah weird bit of the week weird wacky news weird but anyway if you wacky. have any weird stories hit us up give us a call 970-491-5278 but in the meantime our reporter katie otter has a serious national news for you here on The Review.
3: Yes, I'm Katie Otter with your national news. The American Civil Liberties Union has sent a demand letter to the organizers of Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival on Tuesday of this week on behalf of two transgender siblings who are alleging that they were not allowed to use bathrooms that corresponded with their gender identities at last last summer's festival, reports Vice News. Uh, The siblings, who are 31 and 29 years old, say that they were publicly turned away from the restrooms and felt, quote, beyond embarrassed. The siblings, Donavion Navi Husky, who is trans woman, and Tyande Juice Husky, who is trans man, might seek statutory damages against Coachella as well as injunctive and declaratory relief barring further violations of California law. This year's festival is just around the corner, beginning on April 12th. The ACLU is demanding that Coachella's entertainment presenter Anschutz entertainment group create a written policy that declares a guarantee to festival goers access, uh, uh, declares a guarantee to grant festival goers access to the bathroom that correlates with their gender identity. Gender identity and gender expression in public is currently protected under California law. President Trump has cut his two-day summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un short as he ended talks early in Hanoi, Vietnam, and as he heads back to Washington, D.C., reports Fulhi Solomon for Time. Trump says that the talks broke down because Kim wanted the United States to lift all sanctions on North Korea. However, Trump also says that he believes the negotiations will continue and that the two leaders will end up becoming, quote, very good friends. Kim was arguing for a lift of all sanctions in exchange for the closure of Yongbyong, North Korea's most important nuclear research and production site. Trump did not like this deal because North Korea has other nuclear facilities. While President Trump remains optimistic that a deal will be reached and that he will form a friendship with Kim, Kim says that he does not have a good feeling, quote, that good results will come out, end quote. The summit between Trump and Kim was their second meeting, after their first meeting last June was the first time leaders from both countries have met face to face. One of the largest efforts in land conservation is expected to be made into a law soon, as National Geographic reports that President Trump is expected to sign the Dingell Act, which will include three new national monuments— additions to desert national parks in California, protections for scenic rivers in Oregon, Massachusetts, and Connecticut, as well as 2 million acres of new federal wilderness. Also with this legislation comes the permanent reauthorization of the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which was established in the 1960s to protect habitats as a trade-off to potential... Dis- potential dispoliation Caused by fossil fuel development, since 1965, the fund has collected 3.9 billion dollars in royalties from offshore gas and oil production, and has supported 42,000 projects, including protecting open spaces and beachfronts, creating parks, rivers, fish access, fishing access, as well as nature preserves. Supporters say that no other law in American history has delivered more dividends benefiting more people. And when it was not reauthorized for the first time last fall, it set, set off much political strife. However, just because Congress has decided to permanently reauthorize the Land and Water Conservation Fund, that does not guarantee that it will appropriate the full $900 million that the fund usually receives annually in royalties. Conservatives in Congress believe that the fund should not be reauthorized and that the government should not be acquiring any more land. But state wildlife agencies have been struggling as they rely on money that comes in through fishing and hunting licenses as well as sales of outdoor gear. The reauthorization of the fund also creates a buffer on the effects of climate change on humans and wildlife. Yesterday morning, people in Chicago ex- experienced history being made after the votes for a new mayor came in. On Tuesday, although a low vo- voter turnout, Chicagoans voted for their next mayor in an election that had a very many candidates. It has come down to two, Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot, who are both African-American women. The city will vote again in a runoff election in April, reports Heidi Stevens for the Chicago Tribune. The winner will be Chicago's second female mayor, the first being Jane Byrne, who served from 1979 to 1983. If Lori Lightfoot wins, she will be Chicago's first openly gay mayor. And the last time Chicago had a black mayor was from 1983 to 1987, when Harold Washington held the position. People within the city of Chicago, as well as around the country, are excited to see that the city will have a black female leader rather than a white man representing the city. 33% of Chicago is black, 51% is female, and out of Chicago's 45 mayors, only one has been female and only one has been black. For KCSU for Collins, I'm Katie Otter.
0: Well, thank you, Katie. That is pretty historic in Chicago. I know that's a yeah. big deal for you as a as a... You know, from Chicago. Yeah,
3: and uh, when I was, you know, I, I hear a bunch of news from Chicago all the time, of course, because I like to stay up with it. But I was noticing this was being reported in a lot of different national outlets. so I thought it was it was quite worthy news, and um, it is it is really cool the fact that the the mayoral race was so large. There's so many different candidates. I think a kid from my high school start, tried to get into it in the, oh, in the wow. way the beginning. Uh he didn't last very long. But um <laughs> it did get, you know, really big. There's the whole Daly family that uh Richard Daly and his son Richard Daly were mayors of Chicago and then another Daly brother tried to get in the race and The that, Daly dynasty. Yeah, people weren't loving that and there's just it was a, a big slew of, of candidates. So wow. which is interesting too because the voter turnout was very low. Wow
0: as well they don't call it the windy city for nothing
3: they don't
1: speaking of wind
0: speaking of wind (laughs) oh excellent transition it is that time of the show oh there it is there it is where i'm gonna ditch my news cap and put on my meteorological hat it's a you know one of those hats with the little umbrella Yep. because it's it's one of those.
8: Oh my god! <laughs>
0: Tomorrow, I've got good news. It's a nice Friday. It's going to continue with this a fake spring fling, and it's going to be a high of fifty degrees. poof That's going to be a nice nice little Friday. But Saturday, better better not to put away those parkas because you're going to need them. Oh. Because we're getting snow. We're getting snow oh, all day. Yes. Start uh, to finish. This is what, Emily is not happy about this. Uh, hey, in all fairness, the original forecast was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, and Tuesday okay, snow. Okay, I'll
1: take what I can so, get. So Saturday
0: is pretty good. Sunday, no snow, but you're only going to get a high at 13 degrees. It's going to be chilly. Monday, <laughs> no snow, but you're only going to get a high at 21 degrees. Tuesday, though. Well, you're going to have to tune into the review on Tuesday to find out then.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And on that note... I think we're going to end our show, but you can always find us a little later because we happen to rebroadcast the show at 11 o'clock tonight.
1: Yeah, so you can tune in then or find our podcast that we will be posting online after this at kcsufm.com.
0: Up next, we've got Followers by GEA, only on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. This is a rebroadcast of the Rocky Mountain Review. We're live at 4 to 5 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays if you miss the show.
1: Or catch our podcast at kcsufm.com under the news tab.